Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. You know, there are some sources that claim that you should be spending about a third of your product development project just defining good requirements. I happen to believe requirements are very important to the success of any new product development, especially a medical device product. On this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, I speak with Devin Mack. Devin is with Inqual. And he has a lot of expertise on new product development processes and especially around requirements, definition, and management. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. I'm pretty excited about this one. I've been having an opportunity to get to know uh, our guest a little bit today ahead of this conversation. But joining me today is Devin Mack. Devin is an ASQ black belt mechanical engineer, and he's the owner of Inqual LLC. And you can check out more about Inqual at www.enqual.us. So Devin, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Oh, thank you, John. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, I guess before we dive too deep today, tell the world uh, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Inqual. Sure. I've been an engineer for about 28 years, uh, graduated college, University of Rochester, originally from Brooklyn, New York. And I've known I wanted to be an engineer since I was about seven years old. My siblings are very much older than me. So one of their friends were home from college with them. And they asked what I liked to do when I was growing up. And I, at the time, I was building models. I was part of the Rebels model builders club and uh he gave me that label he said oh you want to be a mechanical engineer so um that was the goal since i was seven and came to a f- fruition roughly 28 years ago um worked in uh, a, a lot of different industries uh, got introduced into uh, medical device uh during my time at Bosch and Lom in 1995 and uh i've even when I was a, a permanent employee, I've always been more a part of, uh, I would say, an internal tiger team of sorts. So that exposed me to a lot of different areas of the business. Um, uh, initially, when I first started my career, it was in new product development. And I was a, a, an essential cog in that process where I was using finite element analysis uh, to analyze the feasibility of the designs. Anyway, fast forward to today. I've been consulting on my own the last four years, helping various companies out in in a number of different capacities. Uh, all the while, while I got my engineering background, I'm able to switch pretty easily between uh, an engineering, strictly engineering role or a role that more heavily emphasizes quality. And so, you know, so there you have it, the name of my company, Enqual, so engineer and quality, because from my perspective, I provide a, a good balance between both. Yeah, I love the background. And, you know, like you, I, I too am also an engineer. And, and I knew, not, not quite at age seven, but I knew at a pretty young age, 
that that was a field that I wanted to get into. I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, when I was younger, I always had this this passion or this curiosity is probably a better way to describe it, uh, how things work. So I oftentimes would take things apart, you know, whether it be a toy that I had or, or what have you, and most of the time figure out how to put it back together. But that was always pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, 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 definitely uh, very interesting. In fact, when I was very young, um, my mom bought, um, bought me a, an encyclopedia set, and that was the title, How Things Worked. So I was cool. You know, she, she nurtured my curiosity uh, <laughs> in awesome. that regard. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, today I thought we would uh, kind of peel back some of the layers, so to speak, and, and probe into some areas that you're passionate about and that you have a lot of expertise. I thought we could focus, well, it happens to be a passion of mine as well, but I thought we could focus more on the the new product development, which, you know, sort of encompasses things like design control uh, today. And, you know, I've, I've been perusing your website. Again, folks, that's enqual.us. And there's lots of good graphics and images. And it, a lot of a lot of pictures, and and I think that the old adage is true that a picture is worth a thousand words. And this is you've put a lot of thought into this. So, I, I guess just jumping right into the middle from a new product development standpoint, I guess especially with respect to the medical device industry, what is maybe one of the one or or two biggest challenges that you see companies are faced with these days with respect to that process? Well, surprisingly enough, uh, it would happen that. It would happen that a big challenge is the establishment of proper requirements, making sure that uh, customer requirements are are well-defined in order to establish those technical requirements as you go through the uh, development process. Yeah, I once I think I read this, and then, and I can't remember the exact source. It might be the FDA design control guidance document, but it was it's something along those lines where it said something about a third of a project should be focused on defining good requirements or something like that. I'm definitely paraphrasing, but it was a significant chunk of of a new product development project should be focused on requirements. And I don't know about you, uh, but in my experience, that rarely seems to, to be the case. What have you seen in practice, you know, either good or bad with respect to re- good requirements definition? I guess, you know, it's one of those things over the course of my career that uh, people continue to struggle with, I I believe. You know, they're sure there have been companies that have done it better than others, but I don't think the needle has been moved significantly enough in the positive direction that it's no longer uh, an an issue of concern. So I I find that when there's a lot of chaos, uh, it's typically because... um, the time wasn't taken to properly define uh, the requirements of the product that they're hoping to launch within the deadline that they've set. Yeah, and, and I'm sure we'll dive into that, you know, some of the, the downsides of, of poor requirements definition here in a moment. You know, I can think back to a lot of projects where, you know, there is some, some – uh, skills that you can learn, some experience that you can bring to the table when you're defining requirements. And and I think sometimes there's a a little bit of art to this as well. Can you maybe suggest or provide some tips or pointers to those listening on on how they should should, um, dive into good process for defining requirements? 
Sure. You know, I would say definitely have an open communication between uh, your customers, both internal and external, and your development team. Um, you find that many times uh, certain critical members of your team aren't involved early enough on in the process. So, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, you could, sure, you might be talking to the customer, but uh, it's just you and the customer. You you haven't let quality know, you haven't let manufacturing know, maybe you even haven't even let the, the regulatory know. You know, everybody as a cross-functional team should be involved early on in the process. Uh, even even when it comes to initial considerations in the concept phase, um, it should be a cross-functional effort. And uh, I think uh, a lot of a lot of surprises happen further down the line because of that lack of cross-functional involvement. Totally. I don't know if this is a root cause. I know you also have some expertise in CAPAs, and, and we may or may not dive into that topic uh, later today or not. Uh, I'm not sure yet. But but I think if if I were to identify a potential uh, candidate for root cause, I think a lot of companies almost assume that engineering is synonymous with product development. And my particular view is product development is an enterprise-wide cross-functional discipline that certainly includes engineering, but to your point, includes quality and manufacturing and regulatory and marketing and probably sales and uh, probably quite a few other functions that, that I'm missing. It seems to me, though, that, and maybe this is conventional wisdom, maybe this is just head trash, it seems to me that, that oftentimes stakeholders other than engineering, for whatever reason, don't seem interested in participating in, in such an activity as requirements definition. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. Um, you know, I run into that more often now than I did 20 years ago when, my, when I started my career. I was very fortunate to work for you know a couple of large companies that were number one at what they did, and um, it was eye-opening to me, at least, even as a young engineer, to see uh, the level of cross integration on projects. Um, you know, the marketing person was there in the room. Uh, the quality, the 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 product, the development engineer the R&D engineer, um, everybody was in the room when it came to doing failure modes and effects analysis, uh, as well as creating surveys to get uh, voices of the customer um, surveys constructed or framed. Um, and I would say the first two large companies that I've worked for, they that's what they did. Everybody was in the room present and you're able to hear uh, the opinions of everyone. Nowadays, I believe, you know, some companies can become siloed, even though they might uh, practice against that. Uh, there's still a little bit of siloed activity uh, or barriers, I should say, that hinder um, the speed of development and the accuracy of capturing the voice of the customer so that you're able to well-define those requirements that are critical in setting your technical requirement goals. 
Totally. I mean, I, I like you. I early on in my career, I had some really formative experiences that um, you know I was blessed to be quite honest, uh, and I certainly appreciate that. Um, Twenty plus years later, that the the group that I was with, uh, I don't know if it was intentional or by design. We'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say yes, it was intentional. Yes, it was by design. But we had this cross functional team uh, that was part of integrally part of the the design and development process or the or new product development process. And so everybody had a, a voice and a seat at the table when we were going through requirements. Um, and, and I just found that to be so fulfilling. And I was a little shocked later in my career to learn that not everybody operates that that way. And <laughs> so I was like, well, how do we get people back to doing so? Um, and I guess, you know, Maybe we'll leave that as a uh, an action item for those listening, that this is something that I think is really important for you all to figure out how to incorporate cross-functionality into your new product development process, especially with respect to requirements. And how do you get those stakeholders, marketing and sales and quality and regulatory and manufacturing and so on and so forth, involved in the conversation? This is your homework, folks who are listening to, to, to try to explore that and figure that out. But let's talk a little bit about uh, what happens when those stakeholders aren't involved in the process? What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the gotchas? What are some of the challenges that you've observed in, in your experience? Well, you know, what could happen is your your uh, development team could start marching down a road where um, the things that they're working on aren't important to the customer. Um, and so they they don't directly tie to customer satisfaction. They don't tie to being or having a competitive edge. Um, and uh, basically, you could end up with a product that is not valued on the market or it's not competitive uh, on the market. And that, that could be because um, it's just you know something mundane uh, in the end um, to, to, to what the market is looking for at that particular time. Yeah, one of the other sort of in the same vein that I things that I've seen or observed is, um, I, I mean, I love engineers. Uh, you're an engineer. I'm an engineer. Uh, I, for the most part, understand how engineers operate or how they're wired. And you know, I guess I'll, I'll point the finger at myself. I know there have been times in my past where I thought that I had the information that I that I needed from customer or from uh, those within uh, my organization that represented that voice of customer. And I kind of put my head down and came up with these requirements, which, you know, I was sometimes uh, too proud of those requirements, but nonetheless, that then, you know, somewhere along that way, uh, I would build prototypes and, you know, go through multiple other stages of the product development process. I mean, it could be six, nine, 12 months later, before I have something that's far enough along to, to bring to the table to share with other stakeholders like regulatory and quality and marketing. And, and I had one experience in particular that the, the person who initially brought me the information from a voice of customer perspective, uh, you know, some months had passed and I came to them with that prototype, my interpretation of what that needed to be. And they didn't even know it was the same product, you know, they, they, because I put so much finesse in it, I, I probably over-engineered it. I probably was trying to make the perfect device. And I thought that I knew, oh, this would be important and that would be important. And turns out I, I really missed the mark, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say that, you know, I was very fortunate to be in a role uh, early on in my career where I was, uh, you know, the senior product development engineer for this new uh, product. And, but also another part of my role was to give a monthly update on the team's capability to meeting the customer's specifications. So I would have to, you know, I had to develop a stoplight uh, diagram uh, for each specification um, that the customer required. And um, I had to give a monthly report on that, on the team's capability of meeting those targets. So that kept at least um, my mindset to help coach the team and, and prevent them from going too far down a road that wasn't focused on a particular specification. That, that sounds like a really insightful methodology and approach. Uh, how, how did you develop that? I mean, was this a process that you, you sort of fell into or, or was this a, a methodology that you adapted? I, I think it was just the process that I, I, I was given the, the, the goals, right? So they wanted a, a way to track how the, how the team was doing versus the customer specifications. And I, I just kind of came up with that stoplight chart, uh, you know, red light, green, or, uh, or a yellow circle uh, to show, you know, the, the team's progress. I had uh, daily interaction with all, all facets of the team, which included development, um, manufacturing, um, marketing, and, um, and the customer themselves. Um, I was doing a lot of travel back then, <laughs> both within the United States and outside. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the way I kept a handle so, on it. So I guess I was kind of doubling um, a role between, you know, development engineer and, you know, like a program manager of sorts. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd say, you know, early on in my career, um, I, I noticed that a lot of the engineers, or at least those engineers that were like me, um, were expected to track their activity, you know, in, in a program like MS Project, you know, like a program manager role. So we had to we had to wear both hats, not only, you know, the, what, what we were doing, but we also had to um, track our, our own projects uh, per schedule. You know, as, as time has gone, gone on, these, these roles have kind of split off. So you have your planners, your schedulers, and you have, you know, you have all these different facets. But uh, back when I was a very young engineer, uh, all of those, uh, all of those uh, facets were combined into yeah. one person. Yeah, I, I, same for me, similar. And I'm going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your your stoplight methodology and, and how that may uh, actually be a way to effectively manage a product development process in an agile uh, approach. But we'll come back to that uh, here in a moment. Folks, I want to remind you that I'm talking with uh, Devin Mack. Devin is with Inqual. Uh, inqual.us, E-N-Q-U-A-L.us. He has expertise in new product development and design controls and design history file, remediation, quality system improvements, and, and Kappa. Devin is also a partner of ours at Greenlight Guru. Yes, that's right. We have a 
very robust partner program where we work with folks like Devin and, and others who complement what the Greenlight Guru software platform does, and that's help companies with their quality management system. It helps them with their design controls and, and risk management, as well as all the post-market quality event workflows. Devin also has this distinction that he's one of, uh, actually, he's actually the first partner in our partner program who's ever gone through our brand new Greenlight Guru Partner Guru Certification Program. Devin, tell us all a little bit about that experience of going through the Guru Certification. Um, you know, I had some uh, great coaches at, at Greenlight to to help me along the way and point me in the right direction, you know, providing me with the information. Uh, of course, they gave me a, a great introduction about the par- partner program and, you know, what it was and um, how it could become a great tool to not only promote the partnership program, uh, but also give exposure to the the uh, the great capabilities of the software that enable uh, that would enable co- companies to be more efficient at things like design control or or you know documenting risk management uh, managing the change management process. Um, so I I thought it was I thought it was uh, you know a, a great experience to go through that uh, training program and it was actually refreshing to see you know those key foundational pillars um, that are already embedded into that uh, the green light uh, the green light guru software so um, you know for me it was a great experience and um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before but um, you know early on in my career um, I, I worked for companies, very large companies that were number one at what they did. And so they did a lot of things that were were and probably still are considered best practices. You know, you know, before a lot of, uh, you know, these, uh, uh, the new names like, uh, you know, design control and, uh, you know, product development maybe were, uh, became more, more mainstay. Those were actually practices that those leading companies performed internally, um, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago, right? So slowly but surely those, those practices have developed into, um, you know, those uh, guidelines and now regulations that we, we work with today. So for me, um, it's in more of, uh, you know, refreshing to see um, how those best practices are now incorporated into the into the software and they can actually, because of that, they can actually help to uh, main, maintain uh, that those companies that implement the software are on, on the right road or on the right track to uh, having an efficient and effective process uh, to launch their products. Absolutely. And, and folks, um, you know, the reason we partner with, with uh, firms like, Inqual and, and people like Devin Mack is, you know, sometimes uh, you might need a little bit more help through your process. And so, uh, you know, learn about the Greenlight Guru Partner Program, whether you're a medical device company or if you're someone who maybe wants to explore being a partner with us, go to www.greenlight.guru partners 
and you can request more information. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you. We'd be happy to share with you the Partner Guru Certification Program. It's a learning management uh, approach. Uh, go at your own pace. It connects the dots of what's important from an FDA, ISO 1345, 14971 perspective, and it connects it to how that is implemented within the Greenlight medical device quality management system software platform. So check that out. All right. So Devin, I right before we take that short break, um, I'm still fascinated by your uh, your stoplight methodology. I don't know if that's your official name for it, but um, that's the name that that I'm forever going to think about uh, your approach because it makes perfect sense. I mean, we can all envision a stoplight. Um, to me, as you were describing that. And let me give you a little bit of background. Sometimes I think there's this, um, I don't want to say unnecessary, but there's this debate about medical device product development and the type of methodology that one can can um, employ to design and develop products. Some people think that because it's a regulated medical device that thou shalt follow a waterfall or a stage gate type of methodology and I'm, I don't ascribe to that. I'm like, no, I mean, it can be, there's nothing wrong with that, but it could just as easily be a pure agile methodology as well. And as you were describing your red light, yellow light, green light, I was thinking, oh, that would be a, a really good way to embrace agile methodology. Have you thought about that and, and, or have any other context with respect to that? Well, you know, I see, you know, product development has always been an iterative process. And, you know, I see how, you know, the agile methodology marries up to that method of thinking fairly well, like like we mentioned. But I think it also is important to constantly evaluate where you are with your respect to your requirements. So, So maybe, you know, very similar to Six Sigma, you know, maybe Agile for some, you know, they're resistant to to transition to that or or fully train people to that, or if they do train them, they they still don't fully implement it in their in their way of doing business. Um, but I see it as an effective method if used properly. So, uh, you know, as with anything, they have to make sure that they're implementing it the right way or at least have the, 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 the right facilitators to guide them uh, through this iterative process, which, um, you, know, I, you know, I would have to say that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, at least for the leading companies in, in engineering and science, that, that was just the way they did things. But, but uh, you know, I guess the, uh, that would be my, my take on it. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, Agile is a newer term that sort of became in vogue with respect to best practices from a software development standpoint. And while I have worked on plenty of software-related projects, uh, my my early years were almost purely mechanical. And I agree with you that even with a mechanical product, we, we didn't call it Agile then because the, the term hadn't been coined just yet. But we did an iterative approach where, you know, I would build a prototype sometimes to help me understand the, the voice of customer or, or sometimes as a means to communicate with that customer. Sometimes I would build a prototype to help me better define requirements. And, and yet still, I might build other prototypes to do some preliminary bench testing. But it was always iterative. It was always learn, 
from this thing that I did so that I can uh, go back to that requirements because I, I totally agree with you. The requirements is the foundation for success for any new product development, especially for a medical device product. Um, and you know, toward a, towards the beginning of our conversation today, um, you hinted at some of the uh, the or, or we we sort of danced around a little bit of some of the pitfalls or the challenges if you don't do this well. Uh, I think this is now that we've talked a little bit further. Hopefully, this is becoming a little bit more obvious to those listening that you know the requirements is that foundation. I always think call it or refer to it or think of it as kind of like the contract, so to speak, um, that mm-hmm. we have to deliver this this awesome new product. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know thinking back now, um, you know companies uh, used to take a lot of time uh, and money to invest in capturing um, that voice of the customer and what you know what they wanted because one of the big mantras at least uh, you know back then was you know get it right the first time right so um, a lot of time uh, uh, was invested to develop uh, you know what we would call today you know usability models you know or engineering models um, to ensure that the product was going to be uh, ideal for its intended use uh, and uh, you know and, and at least you know what they claimed uh, that the product could, could could do so you know the indications yeah. so um, so you know I think what happens then is you know one another pitfall is you you can get these competing um, factions within team uh, and it all could re- root back to the lack of proper requirements so you could have your development team uh, uh, very you know against your quality team, against your regulatory team against your manufacturing team and okay sure eventually they might get get it out the door but at the end of the day uh, your team members, they, they end up not liking each other. So, so, um, yeah. so when it comes to the next, when it comes to the next project, uh, that that team has to, you know, everybody from those same areas have to work together, no matter what project that they're going to be working on. And so it just makes things more difficult. You know, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen situations where certain uh, areas are excluded from meetings and so your your whole communication system uh, breaks down and um, you could you know actually I've seen some some companies get to the point where they haven't introduced a new product in you know eight to ten years or more so um, so your development process becomes stagnant yeah for sure Devin to, to wrap our conversation up today I guess give folks some perspective, either in the form of pragmatic tools and tips that they can leave this uh, listening after listening to this with and and start to implement at their company and or uh, possible ways that that they could you know connect with you and 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 seek your expertise for some sort of engagement to help them. Uh, sure. You know, definitely. Uh, I've got uh, contact information on my website, uh, www.enqual.us. And I'm, I'm available to talk 
um, to anybody, um, you know, to implement, you know, these tools about how teams can communicate better within each other um, or within the company. Uh, even in today's world where yeah, everybody's on a Teams meeting or video conferencing uh, through some method, uh, it's still possible for the team to work together. Um, and, uh, you know, so that communication is, or different communication tools are, are very important, um, you know, and then when it comes to the technical aspects, you know, creating your, your, your process maps and, you know, true process maps to understand um, the inputs and outputs of, of each step or each function. Um, and then of course, you know, having a good handle on your design control process and those critical items that feed into it, especially with the new EUMDR requirements, having a good understanding of your um, commercialization post-market phases and how those feed back into your um, concept and development process is very important. Um, and you know, having having the proper understanding of of when these cross-functional teams need to be involved, you know, and, and to what extent and having that defined on paper of some sort. So you can document um, your methodologies and your reasonings uh, as you go through your product development process. Absolutely. That's, that's great advice for those listening. The one word that I picked up on of, of all the, the, the awesome tips and pointers that you just shared is communication. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say and, and hard to do, but, but communication in any project I've ever worked on, whether it was some sort of challenge or obstacle, uh, if I were to identify a singular root cause, which is, you know, maybe possible, it, it always seems to stem from the communication could have been better. It could have been more robust. I could over-communicate and over-communicate. So I think that's a really key thing to leave folks with. Devin, thank you so much for being a guest on the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. And you know, maybe if you need me too, I can come back and visit. Oh, absolutely. We'd, I'd love that. I, there's so much more we could talk about. I'm, I'm quite sure. So we'll, we'll uh, definitely make a point to do that. Folks, again, Devin Mack. Devin is with Inqual. E-N-Q-U-A-L dot U-S. Reach out to learn more. As I mentioned, Devin is a partner of ours at Greenlight Guru. Greenlight Guru is the only medical device quality management system software platform in the world today. It's designed specifically and only for the medical device industry, and it's been designed by actual medical device people. Yeah, that's right. We have gurus who work at Greenlight Guru who work in the medical device industry for many years prior to joining Greenlight, and they have been through a lot of the same challenges and obstacles and the things that, that you're dealing with. So they have a lot of experience and all of that experience shapes the Greenlight Guru medical device QMS. So check it out, www.greenlight.guru to learn more. As always, thank you for keeping the Global Medical Device Podcast as the number one podcast in the medical device industry. It's all because of you, our loyal listeners. Continue to spread the word to your friends and colleagues. And until next time, this is your host and founder at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.